Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome back to the Defiant Spirit. I'm Dr. Baruch Levy, also known as B, and I am joined in my virtual studio with many things to me, not the least of which is a good friend and in some ways a soul sister on this journey in this lifetime, Nancy Jean Rose. Hi, Nancy Rose. How are you? Hey, B. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Nancy, for anybody who doesn't know is many things, like I said, but she's a legacy doula. We're going to talk about what that provocative title is. Um, She is creator and owner of Compass Rose Memories, where she is reimagining legacy, taking ancient wisdom traditions, which I've been witness to and working with her on, and making them modern so that we can honor not only Um, those who came before us, but those who are here with us and ultimately carrying their fire as we will talk about today into uh, future generations for those who come after us. So Nancy Rose, tell us a little bit about just yourself, what brings you to this conversation and then we'll, uh, I don't know, we'll just schmooze. Okay. Well, why don't we just start with, um, how I came to you to meet right. you. Please. Because that really launched, put everything together. And I think working with you um, on meaning in life, search for meaning, I think it was discovering the why, how to move forward. I did come to you in a situation where um, I had lost a lot of dear family members had died and friends. And I was in the midst of the time. Uh, caregiving for my mother and I was stuck I didn't know I was stuck and I I contacted you because I needed assistance a way to move forward and that's how we started and oh my gosh it's almost been three years (laughs) amazing time flies when you're having fun and we did a lot um you working with me and working beside me we we um we did a lot of work and I was able to resonate, put into words my why. And, and um, in many ways, I've done legacy work all my life. Professionally, probably started in 1999 when I started um, with hospice. And then I worked with a lot of nonprofits in the Chicagoland area, putting together special celebrations, whether it was anniversaries or annual reports all had to do with photos and their story. And so when I finally came to you, it was to the point of what's my story? What, what do I have? I've lost my family. Do I not have a story anymore? And we, we, we certainly, I think came to all of it with 
legacy isn't about their story. Legacy is about me. And I think it was a lot of, for many years, 30 years plus, I was working on everybody else's story and not working on my story. So that's- This is like one of our coaching calls. Like I wrote down like 60 things we can talk about. (laughs) I know. Uh, We love to talk to each other. Yeah, we do. In some ways, this is, you know, just an expanded coaching call. All a coaching call is, is a conversation of, of, you know, as we've talked about before, intimacy, into me see, to see and to be seen. And I think that that's been my, if I had to describe my role in your life on this journey is just to bear witness to your journey. And what I've witnessed is somebody who has, well, you know, my new focus and saying, it's not mine, it's Victor Frankl's, like everything I do, is transforming tragedy into triumph, right? Taking loss and transforming that into found, to finding, to discovery. And I've just witnessed you, who's somebody who's had a disproportionate amount of loss. We all lose, but most of us don't lose so much so quickly, and um, you had lost so much, but you've also found so much. Does that resonate? Yes. Yeah, that's yes. what I've seen. And so I'd like to share some of those findings with the people listening because, you know, there are, of all the themes, I have lots of themes in my work, as we all do. But the one that comes back over and over and over and over again is in, in no small measure because of you, because you just won't let it go, is um, carry the fire, right? Is this idea that we are here for something bigger than ourselves. And, um, you know, we are we are duty bound. We're obligated to fulfill that. And so especially around the death of loved ones. So maybe that's a good kind of jumping off point as well as talking about sort of your losses and why you've come to this work, how you've come to this work to honor their memories. Okay. You know, I, I keep picturing, um, well, for anyone that doesn't know, you have a wonderful program called carry the fire and it helps you, um, focus on how to take those steps forward. I think of myself when I first talked to you, I was at a crossroads. How I had two roads ahead of me. One was stop living, just stop living. I mean, I didn't have my dear brothers with me any longer. My sister, um, some very dear friends, my parents, they were, they were gone. They had transitioned. And I mean, why, why should I go living? And, I mean, you can just stop, hide in your house and not do anything. Mm-hmm. And the other path, which was a, a bright light, was carry the fire. I could move forward. That's, that's what I've done all my life anyways, is carry the fire for the family and carry the fire for loved ones. And how to go down that road rather than the other road, um, the road that that was so light in the darkness Hmm. Um, and that's that's where we went and that it's not like oh tomorrow it was great let's start let's go i mean it took a lot of work on our part um you witnessing and being with me and and walking through the moments um 
it, it was a lot, but I'll tell you the carry of the fire program and your book spark seekers, as you know, <laughs> I just kind of stand at the corner and distribute it to everybody. <laughs> um, it was really, uh, it was a map for me, a roadmap. I knew that's the route I wanted to take. I just needed someone alongside me to walk with me alongside me. I have for many years been that person walking alongside other people as they were making their choices at in the afternoon and end of life. And I now found my myself in a situation, like you said, I had nobody to witness what was going on and, and help me through the roadblocks basically. So that, that's uh, kind of a summary of what it was. It's, it's a two-way street. You know, that's why I really kind of have resisted the traditional route of psychotherapy and being a traditional counselor, because it's, for me, it's a relationship and you have helped me, you know, you've described a lot of, I've helped you, but I had compassion fatigue. I left being a rabbi. I was burnt out. I couldn't do any more funeral, especially the death thing. I was just, I was too cooked, you know, around about hundreds of people and guiding them through death. And I had just written this book called Spark Seekers, right? You know, timing is terrible. Right when I retired from being a rabbi, I moved to Israel and just published this book. And I never really did much with Spark Seekers. Um, and then later on, I created Carry the Fire, which is based on Spark Seekers. And it's, you know, it's a 28-day grief retreat. And for the record, you don't have to do it in 28 days. You can do it over your time frame, but maybe a bad marketing slogan. But um, bottom line is I shelved it. I needed a, a break from it. And then in our work together, you have reawakened within me a desire to return to spark seekers, to return to carry the fire. More importantly, to return to legacy, because that's what it's about. You know, it's not about Greet death and grief. It is. It's that's a stepping stone, but ultimately you've helped me remember it's about legacy. So maybe talk a little bit about that because you don't call yourself a death doula. We'll talk about what that is. You call yourself a legacy doula. Would you just share a little bit about um your thoughts on A, tell people what a death doula and legacy doula are, and B, like how did you come to legacy? First as we have often talked about, my work with people in the afternoon and end of life, especially the end of life, those that are terminally ill or gone through major trauma or who are dying, it's more about life than it ever is about death. And even carrying the fire, when we uh, work with people and carry the fire, it's about their life, their loved one's life, their life now and not about the death. Mm-hmm. And when I refocus that, you'll laugh because one of our first times we talked, my, my statement to you was, I want nothing to do with death anymore. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I was just like you. I was overfilled with death and dying. Well, look at what it has evolved in the last mm-hmm. two and a half years when you flip the script, as you would say when you look at it, that it's life. And so legacy, legacy, as you can explain to everyone, is really not about history, other people's history, other people's lives. It's about your own life. So I look at it as 
we've talked about as a soul thread that goes through from your birth or even starting with your ancestors, the soul thread that goes through your life. And every once in a while, I do a little cross stitch. And in that cross stitch is something that took place in your life that brought more meaning into you, that mm. brought expansion. And so you go through your life and that's your legacy. And what I do is, it does, it's not always good things that happen. I would say one of my cross stitches or several of them is when my family was dying. But in the beauty, there was beauty within those moments. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll always cherish the last days I had with my brothers because they were, they probably brought more meaning into my life at that moment than in our whole childhood. And, and especially with my parents. So you have these little cross stitches in, in what I do as a legacy doula. Um, I work with people to, to discover their soul thread, discover those marks. We start with photos because photos always tell a story. So I curate their photos down and I, I hope to curate down to, you know, we have thousands of photos, especially the younger generation with the iPhone. I take 10,000 photos and curate them down to, a hundred or less. And then we work on it to get down to maybe 10 photos. I have brought it down now, my legacy, my own personal legacy, working on it to two photos. And I can look at those two photos and really expand out. So I work with people, not just photos, but we do the legacy writing, um, legacy letter writing, journaling. And when you're with these people, it, especially the ones that are end of life, it brings meaning to them to look back and say, I, I, I did something that did happen in my life. There was meaning in my life. And we, we, we just don't look at the good things. I mean, they look at their regrets. We work with that. And, and um, it just really comes into a sacred space of peace and understanding and meaning. And there's so many people out there that just want somebody to witness this. And that's what I am. I, I walk alongside them and I witness witness their life, their end of life, really. Just so for clarity purposes, you work with people who are dying or and or you work with people, family members who have survived them after they are gone? I work the whole gambit. I, I work with a lot of people that are not dying. Well, we're all dying, right? You know what I mean? No, but that's the point, right? right. It's like, right. we all should be planning for this. Right. We, we all should be doing legacy writing and, and service for yourself now. But that usually doesn't happen. It usually takes, a, a like you would say, those T's, the trauma transition, major transition, or a trial in your life. That's when you, you look back and think, wow, you know, it's the why, the why and the who. That's what we're looking at. As, as an aside, I've added a new T, sadly, to my list, transitions, test trials, traumas, tragedies, terror, because what I've seen over the past almost three weeks now is it's one of those wake-up calls that change people's life trajectory. And I underestimated it, or maybe I blocked it out, but um, just along those lines of what you're saying, there's lots of different ways we might get to this 
aha, life is finite, my time is ticking, and I have a legacy to consciously record and create. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you meet people there. In some ways, because it's at that at that T intersection, it um in many ways that's a light in your life. You say wake up call, a light shining on you saying, you find some really deep meaning in those moments. They're tough, they're not easy. But I mean, you can even take something as a divorce. Somebody that's a that's a trauma in the, that person's life. And not just for that person, but the children or family that's involved. Mm-hmm. So um, it opens up a lot of different doors or starts a lot of different stories in your life. So what does the word doula mean for lots of people listening? They don't know legacy doula. And, and you know, my brother now is training to be a death doula or they call it end of life doula. So what is this? Cause some people may know of it like me from the context of birth, but what's a doula? A doula, um, the Greek definition of doula is a woman who serves. It now has evolved to a person who serves. So it's simple as that. It's a person who serves. Hmm. So you have a lot of different, you have birth doulas. Death doula is a movement that just started very, just started in 1999. When I went through my hospice training, my first initial hospice training, the word doula was never used. Um, I went through retraining a year ago with the International End of Life um, Doula Association. I, I felt, you know, it's been many years and hospice has changed a great deal. So I went through retraining and it was through that that there's a big component when you're working with people at the end of life and it's a legacy. You sit with them and we talk about their life um, and stories and sharing stories. So at that point, I realized it had all come together between the work I was doing in communications for all the nonprofits, the curating, the curating of their stories. And my work in hospice came together and that, that evolved legacy doula. It's a very important aspect of your work because what I hear you doing constantly is, as we say, flipping the script from death to life, from darkness to light, from sadness to joy. Because if we don't do that, who the hell wants to get in, into this area of exploration, right? It's like, ugh, no, I don't want to deal in death. I, I buried so many people who were uber successful in their businesses, and yet they didn't have any end-of-life preparations because they never wanted to deal in the yuck and the sorrow of death. And I think one of the many things you're doing is helping reframe the experience. Yeah, and it's quite a movement starting here, well, actually internationally, um, to, to reframe, as you said, the experience, the dying experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's thousands of people out there doing it now. And the big component in all of it is legacy. Because if if you were diagnosed right now with a terminal illness, God knows, don't place that. But um, 
your first, I think one of your first questions are, well, your children and your wife and what, what am I leaving? What am I giving? You know, uh, legacy, if you looked it up in the encyclopedia, it all, always has to do with finance, inheritance. Well, there's a second portion to legacy that's being redefined, and that's you're leaving something. You're giving something. You're leaving something. And that's really the focus is you're leaving your values, your traditions. You're recording all that hmm. so that it can go on to generations. One of the things I love about you know your work, my work, our work is it's not new. It's all ancient. We're just sort of dusting off old forgotten rituals, um, ideas, practices. Like there's nothing new under the sun, as it says in Ecclesiastes. And and that's what I also love about this is, right, we're just digging down into ancient roots. So maybe we talk a little bit about some of those roots. It, I mean, yes. And I think, well, just legacy writing, legacy letters dates back to, it, it really comes from the Jewish faith. Um, legacy letters, I think they dated back all the way to biblical times. I mean, it obviously wasn't handwriting, but there were etchings maybe or scrolls and everything, everyone's life story or life happenings were verbal. So the storytelling was verbal. It wasn't until we got now into, you know, recent times or whatever, where you could record it and writing it. So legacy letters were probably the first um, people know it more as as an ethical will, mm -hmm. but um, legacy letter can extend all the way out. I'll give you an example. I wrote, my father had heart surgery in 1989, and he at Christmas every year would write us each child a letter. My three brothers and me, he would write us a Christmas letter that would explain the year and that he loved us. My dad was a very stoic man. He wasn't, love, hugs, and kisses wasn't his big thing. So to get these letters from my father proclaiming love was just beautiful. Um, and in 1989, he had heart surgery. He did great, um, but wasn't up to writing letters. So I wrote the letters to everybody. And I wrote a, a letter to my father. And it was to my father. I found that letter. My father passed now 16 years ago, 17 years ago. In his, this was 1989, I wrote it. In his financial documents, his special stuff in the safe, I found the letter I wrote to him. Wow. So it did mean something to him. So isn't that something? It's a legacy letter that I wrote. Now it's back in my hands. So it's like, I'll give it to my nieces and nephews so they can see it. I also have what I wrote to their fathers. So I'm putting it all together because it just really was something extraordinary. So that's, I was with a group of women last night and men. There was about 10 of us and they were organizing their photos and putting one woman got up and she had put all her photo books. Each kid got a photo book. And so I said to her, how beautiful. I said, now, why don't you add in to it a legacy letter? Write a letter to your child, 
their children, they're, well, they're young adults now, write a letter and insert it into this photo book. She, this is what makes me sad out there. She just kind of looked at me and she said, well, what do I write? So I, I walked her through the steps. I said, it really is a letter of love and leave it that. You don't do the events of their childhood, do what the, how they made you feel and whatever. So that was interesting. I hear so that all the time. Yeah. I hear that all the time of, you know, like I have, I have nothing to write or what would somebody want to hear about me or my life isn't interesting, right? And it says uh, in the ancient, uh, uh, I think it was, um, I forgot who said it, but one of the rabbis said, um, every human being is a Torah scroll, right? And we write upon that scroll with the days of our lives. And your life is a scroll and it should be taken out and preserved and read. And that means you got to write down the stories. You got to tell the story. And so many people feel like they don't have a story to tell, but your experience I know is everybody's got a story to tell. Yeah. And that's what, that is my whole my whole, that's it, that's it. That is my why, is legacy. Um, and to be with, you know, I've spent years in in um, senior communities and serving in senior communities. And my mom, of course, in rehab and hospitals with everyone. And there's, there's everyone there that all they want is someone to sit down and listen to their stories. Hmm. And so then I record them for them. So... It's a lot of different processes, but yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm using ancient ancient rituals, and rituals now are becoming more and more prevalent um, in our society, especially at in the afternoon and evening of life. But you're seeing more of it. You're seeing like the um, Day of the Dead, the Hispanic heritage. I never heard about that when I was younger. But now you hear about it all the time and the beautiful tributes that they put out. That's Carry the Fire. Hmm. You know, the dead is part of Carry the Fire. Well, I think people are hungry for rituals. You know, the more we move away from traditional religion and religious connection, most people I know, even if they're Christian or Jewish, it's marginal. It's not central to their life. They don't have those rituals like they used to. So I think you're fulfilling um, a, a primal need people have, and also a modern need, because I think about, it's great that we have all these pictures, but they live in virtual, you know, space, and I don't see them, I don't know what will happen to them, I, it's just, it's a little daunting, overwhelming, um, and it's a mixed blessing, right? Because we have so easy access now to pictures. I mean, when you and I were growing up, you had to be very mindful of your pictures because A, you had to pay for the film. B, you had to pay to develop them, right? And like you're much more conscientious about what gets taken as a picture. Now it's just like, there's just so much. Yeah, and I, I when I work with um, everyone, even the younger kids with my nieces and nephews and stuff, we... Um, we emphasize how important it is to, to curate, mm -hmm. pull it out. And so that's, we're, we're working on that because who needs 20,000 photos? I, as you know, I cleaned out seven family homes in 10 years hmm. and just boxes and boxes. The saddest thing where my parents, they traveled the world 
and they were just boxes of these trips. My dad loved to take pictures. He didn't have an iPhone. He used a regular camera. And he just loved it. And I have boxes and boxes of these travel photos of theirs that I really just shredded and threw away because yeah. there was no meaning in them. And somebody's got to do it. You know, this is a conversation I have with people. Somebody, you know, somebody's going to inherit that box. I don't care what's in it. I don't care how valuable it is, unless it's like pure gold. Somebody's going to have to distribute it, deal with it, sell it, preserve it, whatever. And so, uh, you know, you're serving both a practical service and you're serving a spiritual, you know, psychological, spiritual service and need. So it hits on many levels. And I just think that it's a, it's an idea whose time has come. I imagine most people listening have never even thought about, you know, a legacy doula engaging somebody to help curate their not only their pictures, but also distilling down the story, right? Because you you can't write a book for me that's 51 years long because it takes 51 years to read it. So we're always curating. We need somebody to help coach us, to guide us, to figure out like what comes out, what goes down, what gets preserved, how it gets preserved. And I can just see you're fulfilling such an important role with this emerging profession. What I'm doing is what you did with me. You take those all the photos, the artifacts, the heirlooms, and what we do is zero it down to, to discover the soul thread. Mm. And in those 20,000 photos people have, you can narrow it down to 10 or 20 photos that tells the story that it's your turn, the soul thread. Mm -hmm. Find that soul thread because it, it's there. And with you and me, it took a while. We had to go through, not just, we didn't go through photos. We went through my experiences and just think of all those experiences. And you helped me come down to the, to the, to the soul thread, the meaning. Let me, let me, for um, those listening, let me explain the soul thread. It's, you know, what I realized when I was counseling people years back is that um, circumstances are always changing, right? Context is always changing. Our face is always changing. Our bodies are always changing. But there is a piece of us that is true with a capital T. And when I started working with people and you'd go back to age 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, whatever, there's always this consistency piece of a human being, of a human spirit and so when I'm working with somebody, we go back and we find those, those data points in the past, sort of like what you're talking about with pictures that really embody that particular person. At that time, at this time, it doesn't change, right? Who you are at your essence doesn't change. And so when you start finding that, you start making a line or a thread through time and who I was at five and who I am at 51 aren't worlds apart, even if they look worlds apart, right? So and the same with me. We, yeah. we went from the first events I had as a child and how they, oh my gosh, be how they mirror what was happening to me now as a senior. Hmm. I mean, it's the same, that's that same Nancy there, that same spirit. Same I, I resist that term senior with you. I don't think of senior. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, if we're talking about spirit, yes, senior spirit. Um, yeah, so I think it's a really important concept. And now 
made into a profession, made into a a service. Anybody listening, um, you know, you've heard me talk about these ideas before, but Nancy's really helping me get back to them and develop them. We have a few things coming. Um, I know it's still, you know, percolating, but one of them is before we end, I would love to talk about um, one ritual. I mentioned lots of what you do is based in ritual and it's ecumenical. I mean, anybody listening, Nancy's not um, religiously Jewish and yet she's taking a lot of Jewish ideas and traditions among with other traditions um, and bringing them to life. So maybe we could talk about that one big one that we've been talking about, Kaddish, creative Kaddish. And we could do a podcast alone on that. We'll, we'll, we'll set it up. So let's just tee it up for the next podcast. But what is Creative Kaddish? Well, Creative Kaddish was born with you. And I just kind of like adopted it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's a portion of Kiri. It's, it's a way. It's the mastery of Carry the Fire. A way to carry the fire of a loved one. And as you know, creative Kaddish goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Kaddish. Yeah. Kaddish does. Kaddish Kaddish does. um, It's the traditional, I mean, it's more than this, but it's the traditional death prayer in theory that people recite after the death of a loved one. Anybody who's Jewish probably knows, um, and Jews don't know much about prayer. They don't know much about their tradition, but they seem to know this one. It's one of those that has sort of withstood the test of time where you recite it at, at the time of death. And then, you know, various times afterwards. So you adapted it then to a creative Kaddish, and I took it even a step further with creative Kaddish, and it's a way to um, to record your loved one's um, legacy and to carry the fire of your loved one. And it's through different, it can be a prayer. It can be... Um, I've taken a collection of photos and wrote, wrote a poem to it. Um, I've done a variety of different things. I've, and I'm one big one we're working on now that oh, I haven't even really told you about this yet, but <laughs> nothing like um, that in uh, public. I have um, my nephew lost two of his dear friends in a traumatic accident. It will be four years ago this year, and they were in their they were 25 at the time. And there's this huge group of guys and girls and family. I mean, we're at over a hundred people right now that have still come together every year and with each other every week. And Tony and Joey are always on their heart. So the death anniversary is coming up this month. It was the week before Thanksgiving. And I talked to my nephew and, you know, he knows what I've been doing. And I said, I would really love to do a carry the fire gathering, carry the fire celebration for Joey and Tony. So in two weeks, we're gathering everyone together at a local place of the family, everybody. And their admittance in is to bring a photo and a story or a story about Tony and Joey that they've held with them that they use. And we're going to compile this all together into a creative Kaddish book mm. that will be prepared and done ready for the fifth anniversary next year. Oh. But it's a way for everybody to come in. What we're going to talk about carry the fire and about a creative Kaddish and the different forms you can do. So it really, um, 
I believe in carry the fire. And it's a way to inspire people to move forward, to really move forward and hold honor and to remember. Yeah, I brought it up because it's such a great example of taking something that's withstood the test of time, but for so many has lost relevance or so many don't have access to it and making it modern, giving it life, letting it live. And so you you really are doing a tremendous job of taking these ideas that I've had, that I've turned into programs, but, you know, um, scaling them with the world. It was said that um, without Paul, Jesus' message never would have scaled. I don't know if that's true or not, but ever, behind every great, and I'm not compare myself to Jesus, but behind, <laughs> behind every great idea, there's somebody who takes that idea to the world. And so I think that that's one of the roles that you're serving right now, not just with my work, but with this idea of legacy doula. So it's an idea whose time has come. 99.999% of the people don't know about it. It's time they know about it. And then, you know, essentially that's why I wanted to have this first podcast with you. So thank you. Thank you so much. So we're going to have more. I know we're going to have more. Um, anybody listening, go to compassrosememories.org. You can learn more about what Nancy is up to, what she offers, what she's about. And just check back here because I know this is not the end. This is the beginning of our conversations around all things legacy, reimagining legacy and carrying it forward. And thank you. Nancy, for uh, bringing this to all of our attention and to making it a reality. Thanks, B. All right. So anybody listening still, jump over to defiantspirit.org as well, where you can find the Carry the Fire program under the program section. And we would love to hear from you. Until the next time, defy your number and live your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.